Hey ladies, welcome to today's show. Uh, before we get into the interview, I wanted to take a minute, if you would allow, uh, for me to introduce the campaign that we will be starting um, in January of 2020. Um, as you know, I created this show to be an outlet for wives, mothers that are working, trying to really find the balance in it all, um, you know, really work through the challenges that they had and really receive insight from other moms that are going through similar situations and have mastered a particular thing in their lives. And it's been great. The feedback that I've gotten from this show, guys, the DMs, uh, the emails, even from the guests that have been interviewed has been really overwhelming to say the least, not in a bad way, but just like, oh my God, you know, I know you put this on my heart. I didn't really know what it was going to do. I was just kind of stepping out in it because that was what um, you told me to do. But I have been, this has been the best thing that I have done in quite some time. And I'm not just saying that just because you're listening. I am saying that because this, this is fuel for my spirit, for my soul. And the feedback that I've gotten from you guys has proven to be the same as well. So with that being said, uh, I, I really wanted to make sure that I could take it further than just a podcast. I've been working with some girlfriends or just talking with some girlfriends, and I realized that the biggest part of the thing that has helped me this year has been the community of women and sisterhood that I have had around me and the opportunity to really glean from other people's experiences while I'm going through my own. So I wanted to be able to bring an additional element to the show that would provide that as well. So what uh, I have come up with collectively and the feedback that I've gotten from those personally is a campaign that we will start in January called Her 360. Now, Her 360 is a campaign that specifically targets wives and mothers that helps you to get back to the peak performance in your life. So I know for me, I always say, oh my goodness, there was a time in my life where I was just doing everything well and everything on fire. Now that doesn't mean I wanna go back to that time. I just wanna replicate some of that activity in my life so that I can feel like I'm performing at my max. And it doesn't really matter what level you are on. I work with some very affluent women and I work with women that are just getting started in their careers. And if, if there is one thing that is the common denominator for all of those women is that we feel like we're doing a lot, but we're not doing enough, or we haven't quite arrived yet. And I wanna create a space that helps us to feel like we've arrived through balance, um, through personal development. And that is what Her360 is going to be all about. Now, with that being said, we hadn't worked out all the details as far as what Her360 is going to offer, but I wanted to start talking about it and sharing that with you to even get your feedback right now on what you would want from a campaign to help you get to that place. So the easiest way to do this is we've created a landing page for Her360. You can find it at Her360. That's H-E-R, the number 360.net. You can go there, sign up to be on the waiting list and through email and communication, and we'll probably open up a Facebook group right around November. Uh, we'll have conversations about what you need and what you desire and how we can best provide that to you through Her360 in January of 2020. So I just wanted to take a minute uh, to introduce you to that. I'm really, really excited about it. It's the first personal development um, thing that I will be doing from a business standpoint. Point. And it's not really even a business. This is just, um, I want to help you be a better you because I've been working on being a better me 
and I feel like together you, we can go further. That's it, okay. So I'm done rambling, uh, I'm done. Uh, you're getting ready to enjoy an episode between me and my sis, Miss Erica Hood Vincent. This is a very emotional show and a very uh, raw show. So as you're listening to the episode, just be in a place where you can really be you uh, and express yourself emotionally because the show is going to take you there. So I'm not going to talk any further. There's a quick intro at the beginning of the show. I'm going to let you go ahead and start listening. Thanks for always being around and I'll see you over on Instagram. You're listening to the Kay Whitaker podcast created for boss moms and wives committed to slaying their family and professional goals. You could say this show is the intersection of being a good boss, mom, and wife, and doing them all on your own terms. Together, we'll have unfiltered conversations with moms from across the world about what it really takes to have the life we dream about. Our guests will share stories of triumph, fears, and challenges, and will empower us with their own perspectives on how we can navigate through our own challenges and conquer them to come out victorious on the other side. Our host, Kay Whitaker, is a successful entrepreneur currently running two businesses alongside her husband, Tim, while raising four children, ranging in age from an infant to a very busy teenager, while still making time for each other and the things in life that they both love. Kay has designed this show to be a safe place for honesty, vulnerability, and empowerment. To support one another as we boldly go after life's dreams, tear down old ideologies that keep us hostage, and as we pursue our own modern definitions of success. If you're an ambitious boss mom looking for a community that supports you while you continue to evolve into the woman that you and everyone else loves, then stick around, because you're already amongst a good group of girlfriends. Now, let's jump into today's episode. All right, ladies, so here we go. Uh, today, I am joined by a good friend of mine, Miss Erica Vincent. Hey, hey. Hey, hey, and I'm really excited to have her here, ladies, because today we're going to talk about some stuff that, you know, most people don't want to share, okay? It's a sensitive subject. We talk about our kids. Uh, and when you talk about the good parts of our children, we're talking about the challenges that we've had with our kids. And Erica has an incredible story about some things that she's going through right now. And we're going to talk about it because I think we're all here to learn from each other and to kind of release. And hopefully through our conversation on today, there's a release for you if this is your story and you can find some peace and what you're going through, and then try to start to put the pieces back together for you and your family. So it's going to be deep. Yes. Uh, you know, we probably going to evoke some emotions. You know, if you cry, it's okay. Let me know you cry. <laughs> I'll hug you virtually. Uh, Erica might cry. Hell, I might cry. Who knows? I might cry. Who Lifetime. <laughs> it's just, that's where we're going today. And I wanted to have this conversation because I know so many women with children, and me, myself included, where we carry the burdens of our children as our own. And today I kind of want to help us get free from that and learn how to work through those emotions and learn how to be better parents, but also taking care of ourselves, setting boundaries, all that good stuff. So we're going to talk about that on today. But before we get into that conversation, I want Erica to introduce herself, let you all know who she is, what she does, uh, and then we'll kind of get into the girl chat. It's cool. Just give us a little quick intro who you are. (laughs) 
<laughs> hello, hello, lovely listeners. I am Erica Hood Benson. I am your Think Solutions Sales Coach and Money Map Strategist. I work with women of faith and online womenpreneurs, and I help them to create profitable processes, systems that make sense as sales funnels that flow right into their bank account. But I'm also just a regular girl from the hood who became a first lady, and I just got sick of robbing Peter to pay Paul. <laughs> That's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, she's going to help you sell something so you can get paid. Cool? Basically. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, Erica, today we're talking about our kids. Uh, yes. So quickly, if you don't mind sharing with the ladies, how old are you? I am 42. Okay. And the reason why I asked that question is because I'm, I'm getting ready to be at the time of this recording. Uh, I'm about six years younger than you. I'll be 36. Uh, but I've got children that are teenagers, like my oldest is 15. So mm -hmm. I started early. I know that this was something that you started early. So when my baby is 21, 22, when we start to talk about your son, I'll be in the same. Call so, me, girl. Call yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I ask that because a lot of you all that are here, uh, if you started early creating families like we did, then you can relate to this. Um, I'm going to let Erica kind of map out how her and our baby grew up together, but correct me if I'm wrong. And I say this to my kids all the time, especially the older ones, baby. My oldest, I'm like, honey, look, you are my firstborn. God created you because you can handle this. But a lot of what we're going through is growing pains because we're growing together. Together, yes. Mommy had you early, not your fault. But I want to be clear because I'm super transparent with my kids. And I talk to my kids like real talk because I don't want them to get into the world and the world tell them something different. You know, this is what happens when you decide to start a life before you're ready. Mommy wasn't ready. I love you. But there's some things that I had to learn along the way. And because of that, you know, you might have experienced some things that mommy wouldn't have wanted you to experience had I waited and matured a little bit to be ready to start this family. So, Erica, kind yes. of the rundown. How many kids you got? I have four. <laughs> I just joined the four club and that's it. I'm done. I ain't doing no more. Uh, yeah, okay. Four is where I, I said the same thing. That is closed. It's not even possible. Not even possible. Okay. <laughs> more of it. If something happens, I am going to be a rich woman. Okay. Listen, I'm right there. My OB was like, so. Are we tying to? I said, you're going to tie them. I said, you can take them out and send them over to research. That's I mean, what I told you. Right. I was like, you yeah. can donate my stuff to research. I don't need them no more. Like, what are yeah. we doing again? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, four kids, how old are they? Uh, 21, almost 22, 18, um, 11, and 10. Okay. Nine's going to be 10. Not going to be 10. All right. So, out of all of the four, today I think we're focusing on. And, and you can single them out if you want to, but we're focusing on one that you okay. have to learn how to grow through some challenges with. Do you mind sharing a little bit of the story that you were telling okay. me before we hopped on live with our people? Okay, so we're talking about the oldest one, I just to be clear, because there's two that yeah. we look at the oldest one. Yep, so my oldest one, um, I had him like, you know, like Kay said, extremely young. He really grew up with me. I'm from um, a pretty popular city that is known for, um, you know, hood tendencies, if you will, Chicago. 
And so I moved where I am now when he was really young. But for the the first parts of his life, he really saw mom um, go through some things and witness things that I just was too young and dumb to even know to shelter him from Mm -hmm. or to talk him through so he can have a different mindset about what he heard or about what he saw. Um, Fast forward, again, just being a young mom, I I had two kids like really, really young, but the oldest one is the focal point. By me being a single mom, I just was in a mode of, I just need to keep food on the table. I just need to keep the lights on. I just need to keep the bills paid. So um, doing things that was going to uh, provide a pathway for their future, their future interests, uh, their hobbies, that was not in the forefront of my mind. One, because the money just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Two, I didn't have, um, I come from a broken home. Like I live on every, I'm the, I'm the girl who lived on all the family members' couches because I kept getting put out, you know what I'm saying, and stuff like that. So when people ask me, what, what, where did you grow up? I'm like, you got to pick a year because, you know, it wasn't like once at home, once at neighborhood, once right. at school. And so when you grow up kind of like a nomad like that, you're just trying to keep food on the table and, right. and, keep, and keep your children safe. So trying to invest in things that they love to do and activities and hobbies just was not there mentally, psychologically, nor financially. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that happened was he really got turned on to the streets. Mm-hmm. No, even though I positioned myself, I put myself through school. Um, you know, I've always kept a full-time job before entrepreneurship. You know, I always had multiple things going on to try to create a better life for what I thought what life was mm-hmm. for them. And so he he always saw this busy go-getter working hustling mom. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, you know, those efforts, all of those efforts, all those sacrifices and stuff like that kind of fell by the wayside because everything I tried to prevent him from walking into, he gravitated toward it anyways. I'm like, well what the hell? You know? <laughs> God forgive me, but I'm just like, okay, I know God didn't have a hand in this one because this just, this isn't God's plan. And so with that being said, by the age of like 10 or 11, um, that's where he really started to kind of like slip away from me. Mm -hmm. Um, By the age of 11, I was now a mother of three. Mm-hmm. At that point, different city, new relationship with my then boyfriend, now husband, um, and my life was changing, family household was changing, my priorities were changing, my lifestyle was changing, money was changing, right. and they're constantly growing and seeing, and I'm the kind of person where I become detached from what is not in alignment with me, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And because of his behavior, his behavior was at a place to where, like, so we've been very frank, right, Right. on this show. Okay. So he was just a bear to look at. I couldn't stand to look at him. I couldn't Mm -hmm. stand to be in the same room with him. I mean, every look, every mumble, every snap of the lips, I want to rip his face off. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, I would get mad when I have to cook and, and make him a plate because by law, I have to feed this joker, even though he disrespectful, staying out late, running with gangs, coming in high. You know At what I mean? 11? Baby. 
listen. Yes. Yes. Um, I've gone through, I put, I can't even count how many schools I had to transfer him in and out of. Um, alternative schools, the whole nine yards. So I'm kind of giving you like an overview from like 11 to 17 and those short, like six years, mm -hmm. we, we went through it. Like we went through every aspect that a parent and a child that is being disobedient, that's being defiant, and that's just want to follow the beat of their own drum, no matter what you instill in them. Mm -hmm. And it, it became so toxic on the household. I had to be, I, I had to be an authoritative figure with him, but also a protector with the other kids mm -hmm. at the same time. And you talk about somebody losing their mind, yeah. somebody who just couldn't sleep at night, somebody praying to God, Lord, why is this happening? Yeah. I'm doing all the right. So I thought I'm doing all the right things. I'm not, you know, subjecting him to negative environments, negative situations that is being of influence. You know what I mean? To, or, you know, to tempt him to go this route. And it was hard. I mean, you know, long story short, it got so volatile, like, because we would get physical, like now he's, he's smelling himself. You know what I mean? Right. And so we're talking like 13, 14 years old. And it got, it got volatile, yeah. hormones, girls, the whole thing. And it got to the point to where I had to go to court. I had to take my son to court to get him removed from the home because it was either me or him and it, it wasn't going to be me. So, okay. So give the listeners, the people that are listening, and I'm mm -hmm. sure if they got a mm -hmm. kid like this, they probably already know <laughs> some of the activities that were happening. Mm -hmm. but what at 11? Mm -hmm. How was he able at 11 to get himself away from you? Was it the idea that you were gone off to work or he was just like hell bent on doing whatever he wanted to do and just forget what mama said. I'm going to go outside anyway. And that's just it. All three. So, um, I made the decision to go back to school and get my degree. Okay. And I also worked full time and okay. my then boyfriend, now husband, he also worked full time and we, didn't want to put them in daycare because right. of daycare. Right. And so I would work first shift. He would work second shift. And then I would, I was going to school full time online. Mm -hmm. um, and then it got to a point to where I didn't want to be stuck with a lot of student loan debt. So then mm -hmm. I took a part-time job in the morning and switched my first shift to second shift. So I was gone a lot. Okay. Um, that paired with, he was hell bent on, I just want to do what I want to do in spite of, I know I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm not supposed to be up here. I'm not supposed to be taking the bus and going over here to this neighborhood. I'm not supposed to be getting picked up in the car right. with the gang boys, get picked up at the house. I'm not supposed to be sneaking girls in the house. You know, so all of this stuff, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And it got to a point to where, so if I can just talk about law enforcement for a second, I'm not sure all, you know, the laws are different in each state. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't matter what your child does. You are still responsible for that yeah. child. When he's out there and he's loitering, he's getting tickets, he's hanging with the wrong crowd, that falls back on the parent. That parent gets a ticket. That parent has to pay for that. Um, any damages that get are done has to pay for that. I've put him out. I've put him in um, like teen shelters. I got him counseling. I've um, had him see therapists, our pastor. I mean, all of the different resources that was at my disposal at the time, I mean, I've depleted, I've, I've put my house up just mm -hmm. to pay for top-notch, like, professional 
doctors and therapists to run tests because what is wrong with my kid? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like it got to, you know, so it was, and I shared this with you earlier. Um, I used to be one of those moms, very judgmental and kind of like mocking when I would watch those talk shows and right. I would see like the Jerry Springer or uh, Maury, right. um, you know, and the parents be on there pleading, like heart bleeding on the stage, crying. I can't control my, my kid. I don't know what's going on with them. I, and, I'll, and I'll be shouting and waving my finger like, you better get a building, whoop they right. so-and-so. And then when it starts to happen to me, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, okay, I'm a mom where my oldest son is very um, active and in, in, in communication and has a relationship with his biological father. So right. having that, so having an absent father is not the case. He's not out there soul searching and trying to seek who he is and you right. know what's other side. That's not it. He would see him all the time. It's an hour and 15 minute drive from where we live now to, to, uh, to Chicago. We've always had an understanding. It wasn't anything about where I have to sell drugs because I need to keep up with the image of my friends. My kids never wanted for nothing because, again, being young and dumb, I was the type of parent who had the mindset of, I want my kids to grow up having more than me. Right. And I thought that that was material. Right. So I kept them materialistically together. Together. Mm -hmm. So that wasn't it. You know, some people um, would sell drugs because that's their way of providing for their family that wasn't his excuse or to keep right. up with an image that wasn't his excuse you know or kids are out of control because they're not getting enough attention you know like when you when you start to expand in your family size people say oh kids kind of fall through cracks kind of fall by the wayside and so just through counseling i even took measures to make sure that i had one-on-one -on -one time with my children every kid got a weekend Right. Like we all would have family time, family night, game night, the whole nine yards, but every kid had one-on-one -on -one time with mom, including him. That wasn't it. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So right. I, I became the, the parent on the stage. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with my kid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know what to do with my kid. And, you know, schools will call because if you act not at home, you know your kid is 20 times worse at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Being very disrespectful to teachers, going in the classroom when he felt like it, just not doing anything, could barely put his name on the paper. Not because he was illiterate. I had him tested. I'm telling you, I had IEPs done. <laughs> I had the, um, what is it to see if you see the numbers in reverse, the dyslexia. dyslexia. Mm -hmm. I've had, because I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's a learning disability because mm -hmm. sometimes when things are not connecting, right. you, you, you will retract and act out. I covered the full scope, okay? I'm just like, I'm crossing all my teeth because what is wrong with my kid? And you talk about sleepless nights. I kind of get choked up because no, I don't wish this on anybody parent in the world. Like, it is so hurtful to see someone that you have birthed and you, especially your first one, not that the others are no more, right, right, you know, right. but, just, yeah, but number one always holds a very, it's, it's very special place. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, you've been through the fire with me. You've seen how much I've sacrificed so you can have and not have to turn to it these is. people and, and to this lifestyle. And, you know, you see us going to church, you know, he stopped going to church. I couldn't make him go. I couldn't put him out. The, the police brought him back. I put him out. And the police, the, police had, the police brought him back and said, because he is a minor, you got to, I had, 
I have to keep him. We had got to a point to where because he would come in intoxicated, you know, mm -hmm. smoking the weed and doing the pills and stuff like that. And I think it was like lean, the syrup, I mean, all uh -huh. that stuff, all that stuff. So he came in like he was Superman. You know, beating his chest, F everybody, you know, everybody could kiss my A. And you know, even though I love me some God, okay, <laughs> yeah, you take your clergy off for a minute. <laughs> listen, Jesus left my body. Listen, Jesus had left my body a few times because this says the better to ask for forgiveness than to ask, for, ask permission. for permission. Yeah. So my first thought was because you know, even though I was trying to work on my holinism, mm -hmm. if that's even a word, I'm hood first. Come right. from the hood, born and raised. You know what I'm saying? And that level so you know there's a level of disrespect you just not going to tolerate right especially from somebody who you done birthed into the world i mean yeah. we gotta draw a line and say it and so you know it's been times he will come in and he will talk crazy i've been b's i've been mfs i've been all these things and i'm trying to find a clean way he had to he had to eat his food through a straw for a while oh did you ever feel <laughs> guilty? Did you ever feel like that was your fault? Yes. That's why I went through grave lengths. That's why we put our house up. I pulled money out of my home to pay for, her because, you know, because we have to work insurance and state mm -hmm. insurance and stuff like that. But, you know, that only goes so much and so far. Right. And so when you want the real, real good good, like you got to pay the real good good money. And so right. we, we took loans out against our home and stuff like that, trying to pay like top notch. You know what I'm saying? Because I did feel guilty. I felt like maybe, you know, because I was a single mom or maybe mm -hmm. because I didn't stay with his dad or maybe because I moved to this town or maybe because I kept having more kids, or, you know, all this stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and I just what I lost so much weight just from being depressed yeah. and not eating because my sole focus was how do I continue to love and nurture my other children while trying to fix this kid over here? Mm -hmm. Because you literally had to become two different people in one body. Right. And for any of the moms out there who are moms of multiples, you know that that is not an easy job to it's do, not. to go from one extreme of the spectrum all the way to, boy, you better go in that room and go somewhere down before I knock your face out. You better, you're not going to talk to me like that. Now to, hey, honey, how was your day at school right. today? That's, that's like, Setting yourself up for, to be bipolar, you know? <laughs> right. No, 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 no. I, I'm here for it. I, I completely understand, too. So at what point did the shift happen for you where you realized, okay, I've done what I'm supposed to do as a parent. I've introduced him to God. I've exhausted all of my options. Like, I don't know what else to do for you except for let you figure this out for yourself like where was he when your shift came i know i'm sorry oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, y'all can't see but i'm kind of i'm trying to fan away the tears and, and, and to answer her question because you know when you talk about it you can't help but to relive it a little bit mm -hmm. and um the shift for me happened when i was in church one day and um, the preacher was preaching a sermon about sacrifice and I saw that I was sacrificing, I was sacrificing the safety and, and, and the livelihood and the quality of life mm -hmm. of my other children to save the one son. Mm -hmm. And 
I felt like I was carrying the burden and the weight of the backlash from, from the one son, but the entire house mm-hmm. was getting a blowback from it because again, you cannot be your full self. You cannot be present. Right. Um, you, you cannot be fully present in a positive way and a positive mindset when you go from one extreme to the next. I mean, my daily life starts to become, I have to just make sure the bills I pay, make sure I cook these kids something to eat. And then that's all I have the energy to do mm-hmm. because I've spent all day driving around the city looking for this boy because the school is calling right. or, um, you know, I'm getting calls from the other kids teachers because they are fearful when another kid lashes out the other mm-hmm. kid, like my other kid is in their classroom jumping because they, they, they're, I'm, I'm creating PTSD from my other children without even realizing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's like for those of us who grew up in volatile homes where we saw mom beat dad mm-hmm. and we, it, we didn't realize how much of a traumatic effect that was on us until it happens to us right. in some shape, form, or fashion. I was creating that for my other children without even realizing it. And so the, the shift was when I was in church and you know how sometimes you, you the, the pastor would preach a message. You'd be like, oh my God, is he talking right to me? Uh-huh. And so it was that. And it was, you know, I'm sacrificing three kids to save one. Mm-hmm. But until that one gives the desires of his heart, mm-hmm. I have to rechannel and I have to refocus my energy. And so... I, I have to look up and I have to say, I'm creating a volatile, unsafe space for the rest of my entire family. And now my two younger children are by my now husband. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to stand for his children to be, you know, right, right, right. Cons- all, all consumed by this. Right. Um, and, 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 he, and he's been very present and tried to be a mediator and kind of, you know, shift what he can. But when you have a biological father who's also you know present. what I mean like I, yeah. I, you know it's 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 hard right and so I had to work on getting I had to take my son to court and I had to get him out of the house I had to take my son to, I know some people are listening like wait what she just say so <laughs> I had to take my son to court and I had to get him out of the house and long story short what that looked like I had to present my case with enough evidence that he was a danger to my home and everyone in it mm-hmm that would grant me the right to have my son removed from the home. Hmm. And so that happened. Um, um, it got to a point to where the judge, because even in court, you know, like for, like for most black people, we know that there's two places we don't really cut up and that's church and in court. And, court. Mm-hmm. and so he was coming up in court, you know, um, can everybody please rise? The honorable judge, so and so, is getting ready to come in. Everybody said, he wouldn't stand up. But when it was time to give our name for the record, everyone said their name but him. He, you know, his body language was like real F you. And I'm sitting up here going, you know, but it, it, once since I was like, everybody get to see, like right. everyone's getting a five minute glimpse of what I've been going through for six years. Right. And so the judge could not, the judge uh, played like the Maury Povic show and was like, okay, well, before I do this, I want to make sure I cross all my, because I'm going to send social services out to your home to just, you know, to see what the, you know, because maybe it's the conditions in the home. Right. I said, bring them on, bring to bring them. Because if you can figure it out. Right. Maybe okay. I'll have some peace. 
And so the social work, the, the, the uh, children's services came out to my home. And now mind you, you know, police have been to my home a number of times because me and my son would fight like cats and dogs. The, the police would have to get called. My kids would call 911. They would lock themselves in their rooms. I mean, it, it, it gotten bad. So when, when, when uh, Child Protective Services came out to this, this wonderful home, there's no, there's no, you know, drug addicts laying all across the floor, bill bottles everywhere, you know, the sheets hanging up for curtains, right. you know, you know, she checked the refrigerator, the cabinets, the closets, the dressers, the bedrooms. She checked everything that had a door. She wanted to see if I was hiding anything. She right. wanted to see if there was any food in the freezer and the cupboard and everywhere. Because they, we got to come up with a reason why this kid is acting like, acting like he and, is. And it, it, it has to be maybe the mama got people running in and out. Right. <laughs> or it's a spot, you know, for those right. who don't know what a spot is, you know, like a drug house right. or whatever. They were trying to figure it out. I said, when you figure it out. Let me know. Let me know. Because this is why I'm here today. And so the, um, the worker was like, you know, I normally don't even tell the parent what I'm going to go back and get my ruling to the judge is, but my heart bleeds and goes out to you. She says, I got nothing. Like this is the first house where I've been to and I literally have nothing. Like we, we didn't even live in a hood. You know what I'm right. saying? Like we live in like a very upper middle class. Like my house covered the whole block and then down the block type. Right. Of, you know what I'm saying? It, she said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to rule, you know, because they try to keep their children in the home. You know what I mean? Right. Cause this, I, I live in a mother and children state. Right. Like the mama basically can be tell oh, everything terrible yeah. and still keep our kids and so yeah. just to explain to the list listeners the severity of where my situation was i live in a mother and children's state and she said i'm gonna rule for your son to be removed from the home i mean i showed her i showed her drywall patches where we have to patch holes where he's punched holes in the walls where he's broken windows and glass and stuff like that and she said yeah and so i mean that's how bad it had gotten people on the outside was like no this ain't happening i'm like yes it is Wow. It's like, like people like me are dealing with issues like this. And if I can just say it's, it's more common than not. Like there's a side of the children's court. Cause we have like a children, like, you know, it's, it's big people court for like the downtown, right. like city. Right. But then like, and then there's a children's court here, like where I live. And so there's a side where the system is trying to take the children from the parent because the parent is unfit. Right. And there's a side where the parent is like, I need help with my child. I need him removed and relocated because the child is making the home unsafe so on that side where i was there are there are a number of women who look just like me mm -hmm. trying to parent children just like mine mm. and they all and they look beat up toe down and all that kind of stuff and i was like my god this is like a cancer that no one talks about right you know what I'm saying? And so I said, I want to be not really the face or the advocate, you know what I'm saying, um, of, of mothers to support mothers like that, but I want to take the muzzle off. Right. Because there are mothers who are, are hurting in silence mm -hmm. and not from the everyday, the everyday pressure of being a woman of color trying to work in a corporate America, trying to advance right. or not a woman of color, you know, trying to deal with domestic, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the, like the norm, but right. there are mothers out there trying to keep their families together outside of systemic and race right. and injustice and law enforcement injustice just to parent their children. Right. You know? So, whew, okay. 
So <laughs> we've unpacked a lot, I know. <laughs> when when the judge made the ruling and you had because I so how did it go? You're in court. Yeah, so we're in court. He made the ruling. Yeah, we're in court. He made the ruling. And so they immediately, um, they immediately handcuffed him. Mm. I'm sorry, y'all. They immediately handcuffed him and took him away. And, um, and so I saw, that was the first time I saw my son get handcuffed. And the guilt, the guilt fell on me like, I'm the reason why my son is in handcuffs. Oh my goodness. Like that was my first thought. Like in spite of everything he's done, all the bees I was, all the all the holes in the wall he put in there, all the drunk nights, all the calls from school. The first thing I thought was, I, I'm the person who just got my kid put in handcuffs. And so they took him to the boys group home. And then I'll tell you that that journey in a second. So he goes to the boys group home and begins his his transition there. I go back to my home where it feels like there's been a black cloud lifted from over my house. My kids feel like that they can breathe, they can talk, they can laugh, because every time my son would come in, there was an instant switch of... Right, from happy to fear. Walking on eggshells. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so that part was a relief for me as a mom of the other three. Mm -hmm. But it hit me like a ton of bricks that night when it was time for dinner time. Mm. Because I had to make because I had to make five plates instead of six. six. There was an empty seat at the table. It felt almost like a death. Yeah. That's the best way I could describe it. It felt like a hole was in my stomach. Mm. And I, you know, I felt like, oh my God, my son is out of my care. I don't know how he's sleeping. I don't know what or how he's eating. You know, at least I knew where he was sleeping every night and, right. and the food he ate because I was the one that defied that. In spite of, you know, in spite of all the things I went through, I now, you know, so it was, there's a, there's a emotional thing that mothers go through when they take that course of action to create peace in their home. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're at peace, but you not at peace. Right. If, if that makes sense. Right. And so that first night, oh my God, that I thought I was the worst person in the world. I wish I could go back and change it. I was like, but then my husband said, and my pastor, because I mean, I've gone to him for counsel. I'm like, I'm calling in there. I'm calling right. in Calvary. And he was like, he was like, Sister Erica, you have exhausted all of your options. If you know, if you hadn't told me that you have brought him to me to seek spiritual counseling, to seek therapy, to right. seek a psychologist, to, you know, you know, all of these different services, big brother, big sister. I mean, right. if you had not exhausted all of those, I was going say, you know what? You gave up on your son too fast. Right. But I can't say that you gave up on your son. You, you have jeopardized the livelihood of your other children to try to save that one son. So. Mm-hmm. He, so that's where he reassured me to not feel guilty. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, I, and I, I'm sure there was some conflict <laughs> that you had to go through because I'm thinking like if I ever had to release one of my kids like that. And, you know, I, I want to point this out because a mother's love goes way deeper than the behavior. Like yeah. your kids, I, I heard somebody say your kids will break your heart and make you laugh all at the same time. Like I think, we sign up for that. Just it just comes 
to most of us as mothers that it doesn't matter what our children do, you know, the love that we have for them, the the things that we, because we can see in our kids things that they can't see. And we want them to pursue those things, but we also have to realize that our job as a parent is to guide them and that they don't ultimately belong to us. We're just shepherding them for the time being, but we are supposed to bring them to Christ, train them up in where they're supposed to go. And if sometimes we fall short or their behavior falls short of what we think we're supposed to do, then we haven't done our job. But that doesn't mean, that's how we feel. That's not legit, that's how we feel. But that doesn't mean we love them any less despite the behavior, despite the disrespect. You bore this child in your body for 10 months. You know, you were connected to this child before anybody else could imagine what love felt like for this child. Not even their fathers and dads. There's no disrespect, but there is something about growing a human being in your body that from the first onset of any emotion, anything like there's something about a mother's love that just, you know, and I know fathers love differently, but there's something about a mother's love, especially for their boys especially for their boys. So in this situation, like I'm just thinking like if my son ever got to a point where that had to be it, like I'd be a hot, disgusting, funky mess for like a while. Okay. <laughs> like my family is so important to me and we ain't perfect. And, you know, we're having this conversation because Erica and I connected because our son, you know, our I have an 11 year old that shares some, some things that her 18 year old goes through. So there was a connection there and y'all hear about that on the show. I ain't gonna hide it, but we're not talking about that today. (laughs) You know, there's some challenges in raising these kids. And despite the pressure that we put on ourselves, we're thinking about what everybody else is thinking about us based off of how our children are behaving when we know every day and every night that we are on our face before God asking him to give us the power, the knowledge, the wisdom that we need in order to raise these kids to be who he wants them to be. And when the behavior falls short of that, we don't understand it. Now we're going to get to where he is now, but who knows, you know, sometimes we say, Oh, this ain't God's plan, but maybe it is. Maybe it is because he allowed it to happen. And if he allowed it to happen, then he's definitely going to get the glory out of it in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So whether he needed to go through this for him, probably don't have anything to do with you as the parent. And I'm not talking to Eric, I'm talking to us mothers, period. Because there's been times where my son has done things and I'm like, dude, what did I do wrong? And sometimes, he's writing his own story and God is allowing his life to develop into what it is for him. And sometimes I have to remove me and allow God to be what he is to him in order for Elijah to have his own life story when it comes time for him to share his testimony. So Erica is sharing it from her vantage point now because she's his mother and this is how it affected her. But when he gets older, and he shares his story, it's going to be from another vantage point, And it's probably going to be able to help another kid that's in a particular situation like he is come out. 
So, and I'm just thinking, I don't know, I ain't got, but I'm just, you know, talking to you ladies, because we go in there and I want you to understand why we're going here is we talk about positive stuff all the time, but this is the reality. Erica said it when she went to court, there were more mothers that looked like her raising kids that were like her son than what she ever would have imagined. So if even if this is your situation and you're scared to share it because your fear of judgment, your your guilt, things of that nature, this is not something that you keep to yourself. This is something that you seek help for because emotionally you've got to be able to be present, like Erica said, for the rest of your family and for yourself. And you've got to make these hard decisions because if not, if Erica wouldn't have done what she did, like there's no telling what could have happened to her son. So it was love that got him removed from the home. Not her lack of wanting to be a mother, not her lack of wanting to deal with it anymore, but it was the love that she had for him and the love that she had for her other children that got him removed. So that's just my intermission. We about to get back into this story, okay? <laughs> All right, so night one, I could imagine you didn't sleep, I, you know. I don't know what I would have been able to do. So what was the communication plan between you and your son now that he's removed? What were the parameters around what could happen? What could you do as his mother, even though he was not in the home? Um, the first like week or so, he hated me. Mm-hmm. How could you do this to me? You said you love me. You don't love me. Piling on the guilt thick. Like, I needed some extra help with that at that point. Um, But like you said, it was a sense of, and again, this is only coming from a place of once you've done all that you can do. Right. Right. All that's in your wheelhouse to do. I'll say that. Because prayer is powerful. And Mm -hmm. we're going to unpack that in a second. But um. So after like a week or so, so at the group home that he was at, the the judge allowed uh, those boys who still have, still have conversation, uh, contact, and even physical uh, visits with their parents or whoever their guardians mm-hmm. are, if they so choose to. So that first week it was like, man, you know, she throwing me away, she don't want me, she don't love me, man. Woo, woo. And that's and that's kind of what it was. I'm like, okay, cool. And I said one day, and and you stated this so beautifully. And um, because I really want parents to see this, sometimes you have to sacrifice who you love for the greater good, mm-hmm. right? And so I loved him so much to where I had to step out of my own way of trying to figure it out. Because remember, like I said earlier, I was a single mom. It was, I had no other choice but to always right. go out and get it and figure it out. Right. You know what I'm saying? So this was like one of those, just like another thing that I had to figure out. And it was much bigger than that. And so um, the lo- my love for him was greater than the selfishness I had to try to fix him, mm-hmm. if, that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so after about a week or so, he kind of came around and called and said, hey, mom, um, you think you can come visit me? I said, oh, so, you, so, we not, so you're not hating me this week? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> Um, because you got to understand that when it came to him and our communication, it was very quick. One, right. two words. I had nothing because you, you've burned me right. and you have backstabbed me and disrespected me on levels that I wouldn't take 
from nobody walking the earth. Yeah. Like it's just God's grace. You still alive to even say <laughs> that you did this stuff. Cause when nobody else be able to repeat, you know, cause that's how I grew up. This right. just went it. Right. And so I'm like, oh, oh, I said, oh, so, so you don't hate me this week. So like this, what we doing? So I would come and I would visit. I got to meet the, the group home staff and the other boys and, and, you know, he got to show me his room and, you know, we kind of sit, he asked about the other kids, you know, and then it started to just kind of um, peel back the layers slowly with small talk type of conversations. And then it kind of got into, well, mom, do you think that you could bring me X, Y, and Z? Like, do you think that you can come visit me tomorrow before you pick up the kids? It kind of started to do that. And then he's like, well, he said, I understand why you got me out, out the house. And mama, I'm, I'm sorry, I was wilding out. So when he started to reflect and when he started to um, see the purpose and the reason behind my action, and he understood it from a place of, I had, I, 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 he, he backed me into a corner, right. you know what I mean? Um, I really, I felt a sense of relief because, I mean, again, it sounds crazy because, you know, when somebody takes you through so much, you you don't want to feel like that you've turned your back on your kid or right. anything like that, or you don't love them because even through all that mess, I still love my child. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like as much as I couldn't stand them, you still love him. And y'all can't see me, but my, my face real scratched up when <laughs> I say that. Up. <laughs> even though I, I couldn't stand him, like, ugh, why can't you just stay sleep a little bit longer? You know, why <laughs> just can't come in the house and just go straight to your room? Like, why I gotta deal with this mess? I still loved him you know yeah. and so um he went through the group home but now you know it, it doesn't mean that he saw the air the era of his way so let's be clear so he he had to come to jesus meet with me and he apologized stuff like that but he still had the same temptations yeah and the same interests that he had before we went through the transition of getting him removed from the home of wanting to hang out and hang out with his right. guys and kick it and you know had that urge to want to you know pop a pill or, or right. smoke or whatever the case may be so those didn't go away because his 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 res his new place of residence you know had taken had unfolded it just was my son knew how to be a mass manipulator mm. when you become a cousin like let's just be real for a second when you become accustomed to the, the streets and the way of the street life, you pick up a skill. Yeah. yeah. You, 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 you pick up certain skills. Then a manipulator is one of them, right? right? So he got to a place where he, okay, let me learn this new environment. Let me learn the rules so I can know what to be in. You know what I'm saying? And know how far to go and, and what lines to cross. And once he got comfortable, like anybody would do when they have a different agenda, mm -hmm. right? To just want to, keep going by the beat of their own drum um he was cool like those like those first few weeks and then once he got into the routine and the rhythm of what the rules were the staff and and all of that he went back to the same thing he would run away from group home you know he would bring sneak girls in he would stay out past curfew same cycle because remember a leopard don't change the spot you right. can change the cage, but they spots don't change. Right. right? So I want to be very clear why we kind of have like a little bit of a mommy mushy moment. The right. reality of of his reality was still very real right. you know what i mean and so um he he began to you know take the mask off of what he of what he really liked to do and stuff like that and it got to a point where the the group home had to go back to the judge and say hey he you know is not abiding by the rules you know we can't keep having him live in discourse and we've exhausted all of our disciplinary actions that we can't under law so he went back to court and then that's when he went from group home to house of corrections. Mm. 
How old is he at this time? Right now, today, he's 21. He been there since he was how? No. So when he went in, he was 16. He did about six months. So still 16. He did about mm -hmm. six months um, between group home, house of correction. And then he wanted to emancipate himself, turn 17, you kind of get out type of thing. Hey, whatever. He out my house, you know. At this point, and, and, and so for those, and so for those who are listening, who are women of God, you still continue to pray. You still continue right. to pray right. for your child. And so my prayer every day was, Lord, you know, please open my son's heart so we can see more of you and less yeah. of them. Right. Right. Because it, because it was that he was seeing more of them and less of God. So right. I pray the same prayer every day. Lord, please wrap your loving arms around him and keep him safe wherever he is, and open his heart, his heart to see more of you and less of them. Right. Them being the enemy, them being the temptation and stuff like that. Right. So fast forward, um, he did that. And then he got out of House of Correction. Um, he had to go to school. So he, he got into school, but he was still hanging out with the guys. He got, he got into some trouble. He got into some tro trouble hanging out with the wrong guys in the wrong house that had the wrong things in their house. I'll, I'll stay there and say that. And so there was, uh, the house was under indictment. But those That's who are far removed from what that is, that is when there has been so much illegal activity going on at a particular address, they, uh, people will come and sit on your house, right? Yeah. Like you like see the cops kind of across the street, right. eating the donuts all night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so um, the house where he would kind of go and hang out and stuff like that, that house was under indictment. And so he happened to be over there when the warrant came down and SWAT came in and took everybody out of the house who was in the house, including him. Whoa. And so whatever was found in the house, everyone in the house would get a charge. Wow. No matter if it was yours or not, just, just because you're there. Right. And so um, that happened and he picked that up. And so he got, he was 17 and because of what was in the house, um, both from a substance standpoint and from a um, weapon, mm -hmm. amount of weapon standpoint, he, he was facing some felony charges. And he asked me if I would get him a lawyer. And um, remember, in the earlier part of this interview, I told you I, we depleted down mm -hmm. to where we had to put our house up just to try to get him r right or fix him right. before we even got, because the whole, the goal was not to get him to right where he was right and so okay you here we we tapped out right like we got nothing like we literally like just trying to keep our head above water at this right. point you know what i'm saying like from a financial standpoint so you know it, like there was no way i could muster up the nerve to go back to have a financial conversation with my husband and right. say okay i know we're trying to rebuild financially from this this huge thousands of dollars of debt from this child He's now got himself in a situation where he needs like really high priced legal representation because yeah. he's facing a lot of years. Can we plummet ourselves in deeper debt to save his skin again? No one was going to. Yeah. Okay. So just to kind of wrap people's kind of minds around so you don't think I'm being like insensitive, like, oh my God, would you say you love him? How could you leave? That's where we was at. Right. <laughs> and so, and so I was like, you know what? I, everything that happened to him after the group home, I felt like, God's plan. 
Yeah. God's plan. When you, when you like did all the things and you had to go to the house correction, God's plan, because God is still exposing who you are. Right. right? Because, and, and that was like helping me answer my prayers. Lord, don't let it, I hope it's not just me. Right. And so exposing, okay, it's not just you. He's doing it everywhere else. Right. And when he went into the house and, and, and had that situation happen, I'm like, God's right. If you read in the book of Job, the enemy has to go to God and ask God for permission to come down on you. Right, right, right. Right. And so when, when that happened, God's plan. So he got arrested. He got sentenced. Um, he got tried and convicted at the age of 17 as an adult. Hmm. Um, so. Because he was emancipated at that point. Yes. Okay. So. Um, there was no, uh, mind you, we're still talking about firstborn high school. So there's no high school graduation. There's no high school prom. I, I'm going out of order, but you know, like there's no prom, there's no homecoming, there's no graduation, there's no college application, there's no stand up all night, help you study for SAT. There's none of that milestone stuff that every mother get googly eyed yeah. over. He robbed me of that. Right. So I'm back into my mommy, my, my selfishness. He robbed me yeah. of that. So when he got convicted, um, we, I didn't, I didn't keep in touch with him. Huh. I was, I was upset on so many levels because how could you, how dare you after all of this, how could you? Yeah. I said, at least when you were in the group home, I could still visit you. I can come bring you food that I could, you know, mm -hmm. I can, you know, I can still do, I said, you have now, and I told him this, I told him, I said, you know what, one day, before the indictment, so that one day you're going to get yourself in a situation to where I'm not going to be there to save you. Yeah. You are going to put me into a situation that I'm not going to be able to protect you. Don't put me in that situation. Yeah. Fast forward, he put me in that situation. So when he got, so when he got um, his time and stuff like that, um, it, it got real, like, it was real for him. Like when he went and, and went into a maximum um, correctional facility with mass murderers and rapists and, and lifers. So lifers are people who are in there with life, no parole, because they have done some hideous, horrendous crimes. When these are now your neighbors. Yeah. For an extended period, it got real, real fast. It got, it, it, you know, and even then, all I could do is pray, Lord, keep my son safe. Because now, as a mom, and, you know, and I watch cop shows. And yeah, all that, you, know, you so watch the My mind go right to, yeah. oh, my, oh my God. God. You know, and, and not, you know, to, and not to make matters worse, but my son is frail frame. He's yeah. small frame. Like he, <laughs> he, he, he not no big cop diesel, yeah. you know, six, six foot. Like, he's small frame. I'm like, so now my mind goes there. I'm like, he just keep hurting me and killing me over and over again. So what I, I couldn't communicate with him for a number of reasons. And I want to really explain this. Um, I was hurt as a mother because you stopped my ability to mother. Yeah. You stopped my, you, you, you stopped my ability to parent. You, you, you've robbed me of the opportunity to go through these milestones of, of life, you know, school and stuff like that with you. So I was, angry yeah you know i'm sitting i'm sitting here having you know not so nice conversations every paycheck with my husband trying to get out of this debt that you got us in yeah. okay mind you right and kids still need stuff they still got mm. their, act, their activities you know and it's 
and you go and do this. So I was angry. So now you want me to put money on my phone? And, and now you want me to, to put money on your canteen, on your books? Shoot, no. I called his dad. Yeah. Now, for those who are probably saying, well, where was the daddy and all this? The daddy was present. I would call him every time I could find him. He would be disrespectful. He would drive up from Chicago and we would sit down, the three of us, me, my husband, and his father, and we would talk. We would scream. We would have a game plan. He would go live with him. I mean, so again, very active, right? right? Um, I'm, I'm trying, because I want to make sure I paint a, a well-rounded really picture, picture. Mm -hmm. for those who were like me watching the more perfect show. Well, maybe if you did X, Y, and Z, yeah. trust. <laughs> you did it. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so when he, so while he was in there, I, 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 I told his dad, I said, Hey, like, this is where he's at. This is his inmate number. This is his mailing address to mail him stuff. This is how you put money on, on his account. I've, I've. I've bared this cross for 17 years. Yeah. I need you to get the grunt of it. I, I, I can't. I, I got, I'm tapped out. I'm done. Yeah. I am tapped out. Yeah. And I said, if he so much as even call me or write me a letter and say, my dad didn't put money, I need a quarter. I'm going to be to see you. Only because I just feel like even though he was there, he could have done more. Right. Because he idolized that man so much. Yeah. I mean, to where it make I, I could vomit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and I got the grunt of, yes. of, of what he was going through. And so um, that happened. He, he ended up getting out on good behavior, doing half his time. He got out on parole. I'm, I'm going to fast forward, got out on parole. And so now I am a mother of four, one now an ex-felon. Yeah. Okay. So now, so now let's look at systemics, right? So I, uh, I have a high school dropout. I have a son that has a record who's an ex-felon and has no job history, nor education. Yeah. So, let's, so, so, so let that sit for a minute, right? And this is all the things I moved out of Chicago to get away from. Yeah. And it is squaring me straight in the face. Yeah. So I said again, God's plan. Yeah. Like this has to be, cause this for sure, it's not my plan. Right. So now it's like, okay, life, you know, raising a child, life after prison. Cause he was in prison. Yeah. Like it wasn't jail. It wasn't downtown, right. you know, county lockup. He was in full blown maximum security with the barbed wires around the fence. He right. was in full blown prison. So he comes out of parole, then what? He comes out on parole. Um, he couldn't live with me. And so he went to go stay with my sister and he got out and <laughs> with, with the same mindset. He want to hang out. He want to wear the clothes. He want to be stylish. He want to be flashy. He want to, you know, kick it. He want to celebrate. He want to do all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, let's get out. Let's get you like, you know, a resume going. Let's get you some job readiness going. Let's get you to some programs, you know, some, some re-entry. You know, I'm on that path because you have made your life 10 times hard. harder. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you was born black, so that's an X. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you know, you live a life of crime. That's an X. You have now been convicted of crime and you have no educational background. No, you have no foundation that anyone in society would deem you worthy of wanting to bring into the fold. Yeah. And your first thought is you want to kick it. Hmm. So he do all that. Um, he stayed with my sister for a little while. Now she is another story. 
for another podcast, but they, they share similar lifestyles. I'll say that. Okay. And I, I explained to her, do not indulge with him because right. this is a guy who has no money, has no job, has nowhere to go. Right. Don't feed him the poison that got him there. Wow. And she did. And so it backfired because she tried to be the good auntie, the turn up TT, the one who understand I got your back nephew, you know, and then when he backfired on her, she called me saying, I'm going to call the police on your son. I said, if you do that, he's going to go back to jail. But at the same time, that's your household. Right. I told you when you brought him in, if his mother wouldn't take him back in. Why would you take him? Okay. And so he went back to the street. He, he reconnected with some of his old buddies. Uh, from a few years back when he was seven, because now he's out at this point. He is now, uh, he was then 21. He, uh, he, he just, he got out like three weeks before he was, he got out when he was 20. And then he turned okay. 21, like at the end of that, that same month. And okay. so, um, so people can kind of get a timeline a little bit mm -hmm. and um, it just, it just manifested itself. I told him that I, I couldn't bring him back until he showed me because I'm the kind right. of person where I don't believe what you say. I believe what you do. Right. And because we had gone, I mean, we had gone through so much. We're trying to repair the emotional scarring right. on our family. And we had just become whole right. as a family. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sleeping peacefully every night and stuff like right. that and building memories with our family. I can't, you know, until I see a change in you. Right. I can't go back. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you're, you're more than welcome to come over and visit and, and do all the things. And so he went back and two birds of a feather flock together mm. and same situation being in the wrong place in the wrong time. Mm. And he went, he got locked back up because he was merely a bit, uh, he violated his, his parole mm -hmm. with one of his conditions you cannot be around anyone who is right. an ex-felon who has drugs who has guns and he went back solely basically he didn't commit a crime he broke his parole right and so now he's back in there again but this time i get to have a praise report somewhat yes um he he's paired with a sailmate who was raised up in church huh. and he actually is in there because of um, he wouldn't give up the person who did what uh, who did you know you know he he didn't snitch so okay right. well we're gonna give you some time so he was raised in church um he's my son's uh, cell buddy cellmate if you will and he was talking to him about Christ and you know and his family and upbringing stuff like that and my son actually um confessing life to Christ oh. and he called me and my husband and my oh, okay so my husband is like now a pastor so all this yeah. my husband is now a pastor so I can hear um why this is so significant um and so he talks to my husband on the phone they pray together he confesses life to Christ and now he uh, I, I now put money on my phone every day and we do bible study and we talk about you know what we read in the bible and how and how to relate that to real life, real world situations. And mm -hmm. so, um, although it did not turn out the way I wanted it to, I still get to parent my child. I still get to bring mm -hmm. God into his life. Um, even though it's not in the situation that I wanted it to happen. Mm -hmm. Sometimes God has to, you know, God had to put Paul and Barnabas in jail. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? To make, to make, to make the people a believer. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, God had to sit my son down now once, but twice to to strip him of all the things right 
because he 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 glorified material things. Right. He glorified the fast life and the fast living. And so God, you know, has to strip you of everything to show you I am. Right. You are who you are because I am. Right. So and he could do it way better than we can, even as parents. Oh, there's no way I could have done that. No. Clearly. Not Clearly. At all. <laughs> Not at all. All right. So Erica, we have spent a lot of time talking through this, but I want to make sure we don't leave this episode without some words of encouragement from you to other mothers that might be in similar situations, sharing feelings that you felt. What would you say to her right now where she is in it that will give her strength um, and that can encourage her in her season right now i know i know. god y'all can't see but the tears are <laughs> coming up again oh one i want to start off by saying i don't wish this on any parent mm -hmm. i mean this is worse than childbirth yeah i've done it four times so i can say this with a whole heart yeah but what i would say to and to keep a mother who could possibly be going through this or be on the brink because mm -hmm. it's a whole generation that's right. happening with this you know if there's a mother that's on the brink like on the cusp of going through this and they start to see these signs early um if you are not locked in to your faith there is no there is there is no amount of money mm -hmm. like i shared on, on the podcast there is no amount of money in the world that can buy your way out of this yeah there is no nothing but god yeah being connected to him staying in prayer staying so i had to be, you have to be more full of what you believe in and yeah. god than you can in man yeah to get you through this you have to continue to love you have to remember that for those who are non-believers we are the only bible and the only god that some people see so no matter how we feel in the flesh yeah because your flesh gonna come it's you that like you're gonna be coated you're gonna yeah. be coated in the flesh yeah, yeah your yeah. tongue like i shared before your tongue gonna be in the flesh your fist gonna be in the flesh <laughs> you're gonna be in the flesh i'm being honest i'm gonna be yeah. honest, but, you, but you cannot stay there you have to ask god for forgiveness and to help you become more spiritually armored up to yeah. be prepared for because what we're battling we're battling a spiritual warfare with another spirit yeah and so it's easy to fight flesh with flesh that that's easy to do because we can cut somebody out in a minute yeah. but my 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 words of encouragement is you have to stay intimate with our savior he yeah. is the only saving grace and your plan is not the plan whatever your plan was to parent your child whatever whatever path you had your child on whatever future you had envisioned for your child as as beautiful as it may be if it's not god's plan he will cut he will orchestrate it so that it will realign to become his plan right. and it can look ugly but you have to keep the faith and you have to continue to love yeah even through the hurt you have to love through the hurt yeah yeah i love it 
But there, Erica, thank you so much for being so transparent with us. Like, I'm sure you'll be back on the show because there's so many questions. That oh. ask, we just don't have enough time. Right. Like, maybe we can get the husband. I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. Like, y'all, she's running a business at the same time. She's mm-hmm. raising kids at the same time. She still has to be a wife at the same time. Like, we didn't even get into the conversations that her and her husband were having. And y'all know those are special kind of conversations, okay? Heavy, <laughs> so, heavy. We didn't even get a chance to go into that. So I'm sure we'll have another opportunity to talk to Erica here on the show. But make sure you go and connect with Erica. Erica, where can we find you online? Yes. So you can find me at Erica H. Vincent, H as in heal, healing. Uh (laughs) Erica H. Vincent everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Yay. Wonderful. Well, ladies, that's our show. Uh, Be sure to let Erica know you found her on the show. If you have any questions for her, I'm sure she's more than willing and open and ready to answer those questions for you. And ladies, that's it for now. And we will see you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you, Kay. You're welcome, love. If you loved this episode, Kay wants to know, please subscribe if you haven't already and leave us a five-star review telling us what you loved and what your takeaways were. By leaving your review, it helps us to continue to provide awesome content and book guests that you love and want to hear from. And as a token of our appreciation for your review, we want to send you a gift. Kay's compiled a list of her favorite resources that help keep her balanced, focused, energized, and sane, and she wants to send it to you. To get a copy of Kay's favorite things, leave us a review, take a screenshot of it, and email it to podcast at kaywhitaker.com, and we'll send it right over. It's that simple. Until the next episode, be sure to connect with Kay on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at kaywhitaker. This conversation has been great, and we can't wait to see you on the next episode.